0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay with me this morning. Good to see you. How you doing? Look at your neighbor and say, you look marvelous today. Well, we've been on a series, Be the Change. We're going to wrap that up today. We've been taking some of the, uh, the thoughts from Home Depot and Lowe's. Never stop improving. How doers get more done. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you love us. You care for us. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Our minds are open, our heart receptive. Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Ladies, how many of you know there are certain qualities you want in a man? Okay, let me ask that question again. Make that statement again. Ladies, how many of you are going to help me this morning? There are certain things you look for a man. So uh, if you're 22 years old, ladies, this is what I found out. You're looking for a man at age 22. Handsome, charming, financially successful, a caring listener, witty, in good shape, Dresses with style, appreciates the finer things in life, full of romantic and thoughtful surprises. But at age 32, women, this is what you're looking for in a man. He looks nice, he opens the car doors for me, holds the chair for me, has enough money for a nice dinner, listens more than he talks, laughs at my jokes, carries out the bags of groceries with ease, owns at least one or two ties appreciates a good home-cooked meal remembers birthdays remembers anniversaries and he's still romantic at times but at age 52 this is what you're looking for a demand he's not too ugly (laughs) he doesn't drive off in the car until i'm in it (laughs) works steady splurges on dinner occasionally nods his head when I'm talking, usually remembers the punchline of the jokes, is in good enough shape to rearrange the furniture, he wears a shirt to cover that big belly of his, (laughs) remembers to put the toilet seat down and shaves most weekends. But at age 62, ladies, this is what you're looking for in a man. He keeps his nose hair and ears uh, trimmed. (laughs) He doesn't belch, pass gas, or scratch in public doesn't borrow too much money, doesn't nod off to sleep when I'm talking, doesn't tell the same story over and over and over again, is in good enough shape to get off the couch on weekends, usually wears matching socks and puts on fresh underwear, appreciates TV dinners and shaves some weekends. Age 72, this is what a woman wants in a man. He doesn't scare small children. (laughs) Remembers where the bathroom is. He doesn't turn the volume up on the TV too loud. Only snores slightly. Is in good enough shape to stand up by himself. Usually wears some clothes and remembers to zip up his pants. He likes soft food. Remembers where his teeth are. Doesn't make me scream when he's driving. Now these lists get shorter and shorter as you go down. But this is what a woman is looking for in a man when he's 82. One that's breathing. He can remember my name, and he doesn't miss the toilet. How many you know the older you get? The list gets shorter, and the whole thing changes. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about a young man who went through a lot of change. His name is Joseph. And at age 17, Joseph is enduring more than most teenagers should ever endure. Uh, how many of you can remember when you were a teenager? Some of you can't even remember that far back. And if you are a teenager, I just want you to know that God uses all types of people. Young people, people middle-aged. He uses older people. Um, In Genesis chapter 39, if you'd like to turn there, verse 2. I want to read one verse and then we're going to put it in reverse here. The Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, most of you know the story about Joseph. I went back and reread his uh, life and his story last night. And most of you know that Joseph lived in a family at age 17. He's the favorite son. Now he has a younger brother by the name of Benjamin that's very favorite too. But Joseph is the firstborn of the wife that Jacob loved Rachel and Leah. He wanted to marry Rachel, but he got pawned into having Leah. How would you like to wake up on your honeymoon? It's not the woman you thought you married. That only happens a year later. (laughs) Some of you get that on the way home. But this young man is very special. His father makes him a coat. We call it the coat of many colors. And his brothers not only tolerate him, my friends, they hate him. And the Bible's very clear. It said over and over and over again that they hate their brother. And as Jacob is showing his partiality, I'm sure it's grading on the rest of the family. And Joseph has dreams. And he tells the dreams and his brothers hate him even more than they hate him in the first place. And so they're conspiring to murder him. And they thought, if we murder him, we don't get anything out of him, so let's sell him into slavery. And that's what they do. There's a caravan moving from Canaan to Egypt. They sell him. They get the change, the money for him. And he's out of sight, out of mind. They take that beautiful coat of many colors. They dip it in animal's blood. A young kid, a young goat. They send it back to the father and say, something happened to our brother. He must have met a violent end. Here is the proof. And so there in Potiphar's house, obviously, everything's changed. His relationship to his father's changed, his brother's has changed, his location has changed from Canaan to Egypt. His position has changed from a favorite son to a slave, and that's his life. But notice in verse 2, the verse we read, But the Lord was with Joseph. And verse 3, Potiphar saw the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 5, the estate in the house of Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. Verse 21, when he goes to prison, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 23, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now here's the question. For you, for me, is life happening to you or for you? For some of you, you think life just happening to me. But I'm going to tell you, if you have the right perspective of God, if you're where you should be, life is happening for you, not just to you. And you can get a real stinking attitude when you think life is happening to you. And there's a lot of people. matter of fact, Carrie and I had this conversation yesterday. Do you know there's a lot of people who have stinking thinking? And you're related to some of them. And I'm related to some of them. And if you don't watch it, it will reach out and it will grab you and grip you and you'll say, life is just happening to me, but I'm going to tell you, if you love God and God loves you, life is happening for you, not just to you. So, Joseph must have thought that life is happening to me and not for me, but we have the wonderful perspective of seeing this story from the back side to the front side. But Joseph is right in the middle of it. You're right in the middle of your stuff. Anybody got any stuff going on? Stuff in your marriage, stuff with your kids, stuff with your finances, stuff with your job. You're saying, this is just happening to me. I want to tell you, life can happen for you, not just to you. Now, I think maybe that's where Joseph is. Here's something we need to consider. Can the Lord be with you and you not fully understand that he's with you? I think Joseph is there. Now, why are we hearing these verses over and over and over again? And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord blessed the house of Potiphar because of Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And whatever Joseph did, the Lord was with him and he was very successful. God wants us to know that the Lord was with Joseph. And I want you to know today, the Lord is with you. Now you may not think he's with you but according to the word of God this God who will never leave you or forsake you he is with you and he is for you. So if you will just keep that in your mind sometimes we don't think God is with us. As a slave, Lord with him. When he's convicted of a sexual crime that he did not do, the Lord was with him. When he's in prison, what? The Lord is with him. Here's a second observation here. What we may think is a disaster is actually an event that's moving us closer to our destiny. I don't know about you, but if my brothers hated me and threw me in a pit and was talking about murdering me, that is seemingly a disaster. If I'm a slave For somebody in their household Seemingly a disaster If someone convinces Someone else that I've committed a crime And I'm not guilty That seems like an injustice and a disaster When I'm thrown in prison It seems like a disaster But every one of these events Is moving him closer to his destiny And you may see it as a negative But God is using it To move Joseph further on Now The third observation is God can use what we think as a setback to propel us to something greater in our life. Because this is what I know. If the brothers hadn't done what they had done, If Potiphar hadn't done what he did, if Mrs. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, hadn't done what she did, if the events in the prison hadn't happened as they did, Joseph's destiny would have been altered in a different direction. God used the setbacks of Joseph's life to propel him to something greater in his life. Same thing can happen to us just as a caterpillar thinks his life has come to an end he becomes a beautiful butterfly you see sometimes you think this is the end it's over I'm done then all of a sudden God makes that transformation he makes that change that metamorphosis in your life and you have something you never thought you could ever have and God is able to do that isn't he And he does it over and over and over again. You see, in your difficulties is when you grow the most. It's not when you're on the mountaintop. It's when the storm comes. It's when the wind blows. When there's adversity against your life. You you toughen up. You strengthen up. Matter of fact... Many years ago in the biosphere, you know, we've talked about that. They went to the southwest of the United States, built this dome, thinking that they make a sustained life on another planet. Went through, you know, a lot of experiments. And, And what they found out, the plants and the trees look weird. And the reason they look weird is because there was no storms, no wind in the biosphere. And they didn't grow right. Listen, you will not grow right without some storms. You will not be who you can be unless there's some adversity in your life. The wind is contrary to you. Because when the wind blows and there's a storm, you know what it forces you to do? To sink your roots down deeper and deeper and deeper. Have you ever felt like you were just holding on? Come on now. There's been times in my life I thought, I am just holding on by the skin of my teeth. But let me tell you what's happening. Your roots now are going deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're going to survive that storm. And the next one you're going to survive. And the next one and every one that comes along, you're growing deeper and deeper and deeper. Can I hear an amen? amen? The more we grow, the more stability we have. The deeper our roots, the more foundation we have. The deeper the roots, the stronger the tree the deeper the roots the higher we can reach up the higher we go up into the sky the deeper the roots the more resources i can tap into i'm like a tree planted by the water because my roots are so deep i can tap into things that other people can't tap into so those storms those things that happened to joseph is helping him not hurting him although if i was him i would say listen you need to rethink that pastor Seems like it's hurting me have you ever been to california up in the mountains to see the giant sequoias and the redwoods i, I was doing a couple of uh, events carrie and i went out to preach and to do some events in california years ago and so the people who had invited us took us up to the mountains and we saw those giant trees up there they're amazing I mean, some of them are so big, they've, they've hollowed them out and cars drive through them. I saw one tree that had fallen, been there for years and years, that was hollowed out in the inside. And back when the army used to have cavalry, uh, they, they, they actually had horses that they would, they would stable inside the tree, full grown horses could go in and, and be inside the tree. It's amazing. But if you've been there, you've seen the mountains are rocky. There's not a lot of soil there. And they say, how do those trees survive the, the winds and the storms that come off the Pacific and sweep up the mountains? This is what they found out. The, the roots of the trees interlock. That this tree winds around the roots of that tree and this tree around this one. And so when the storm hits, they're all holding on to each other isn't that kind of like what a church should be that when the storm hits our roots are not only deep but we're holding on to each other and we weather the storm and when i feel like i'm going on somebody else has got my roots and they're saying oh you make it hold on you can get through this you can get past this so the storm makes us reach deeper and causes us to grow up higher now I want to make you aware of something. I have uh, been studying the Bible a long time. Matter of fact, this weekend, I've been your pastor for 35 years. Now, that's true, this weekend. But in Luke 17, there's a story I've read many, many times. But I've got a confession to make to you. I read it this weekend, and I'm looking at it in a way that I've never looked at it before. Have you ever read something in the Bible and you say, I'm going to look at this like I've never seen it before? And the Holy Spirit helps us do that. If you have your Bible, look at this. This is a very familiar story. Verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. Now, I went back and reread this, and I looked at it again and looked at it again. I believe there's some keys to their change here. I I believe there's some things here that maybe you hadn't thought of and I hadn't thought of. Now, the first one is, why are these men afar off? Because they have leprosy. You, you can't come to a normal person or a person who's not infected. You have your own community. You have your own group. And in that group, you're all infectious. And you can't come close to people. So that's why they're afar off. That's why they had to cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so that's their lot in life. But what caused this thing to begin to change? How many of you believe with me there were more than 10 lepers in the land other than these 10? Absolutely. Why are we singling out these 10? Well, I think it's right here in the scripture. What are the keys to their change? Here's one. They needed, they wanted, they desired to have a change in their life. Some people are locked into a position and they don't even want to get out of it. They have no desire to change. They have no inclination to get out of the place they're in. Listen, you got to have some want to. If you're in a bad place this morning, you need some want to to get out of that bad place. Or you will be just staying there the rest of your life. So these men wanted to have a change in their life. Not only did they want it, they vocalized it. Jesus Master, have mercy on us. Listen, it's one thing to want something, it's another thing to verbalize what you want. You need to confess it. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. They verbalized it, they vocalized it. And Jesus responded to their request, their desire, their need. Now, listen to what he said. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. Not only did they hear the words of Jesus, they obeyed and they acted on what he said. It's not enough just to have faith, right? It's not enough just to hear the word. You have to what? Not just be hearers only, but you have to be what? Doers. We got any doers here this morning? Listen, we preach and teach all week long. There's preaching on Wednesday night. There's teaching on Sunday morning. There's teaching on Sunday night. Sometimes we leave the table and we're so bloated with the Word, we walk around like this. Give me some more Word. You're so full of Word, you wobble. Okay, Pastor, slow down. It's not enough to be hearing it You got to what? Be doing it. Okay, I'll just be blessed by my own preaching this morning. They obeyed and acted on what they heard. Let me say that again. They obeyed and they acted on what they heard. They did what Jesus said. And they began to move in the right direction direction and they begin to move to a certain point or destination now now think about this with me here's ten lepers they have a death sentence on their life they have a desire to be healed they want to change they cry out vocalized it Jesus responded to them told them what they should do and guess what They did it. They began to move in the direction to the destination that he gave them. Listen, they weren't healed immediately. The Bible doesn't point that out. The story doesn't point that out. But somewhere when they heard and acted and began to move that direction to that destination... They begin to look at each other and said, I think there's some changing going on in your life. You're not what you were when we left the master. Listen up. Change doesn't happen instantly. Oh, it can. Most of the time it doesn't. It's just a little here, a little there. I mean, one could say, I believe your ear is coming back on. I believe your fingers going back you don't look as white as you used to look some of those sores are gone and all of a sudden as they go that direction that destination change begins to happen some of you are saying why don't I see any change number one have you acted on it what the word says are you going that direction well I took a step I didn't even see any change Well, take another one. Well, I took another step and didn't see much happen. Take another one. Keep going. Keep moving. But as they went to show themselves to the priest, which was what the law says, right? All of a sudden, they begin to see somewhere between the words of Jesus, their request, their desire to be changed and healed, Somewhere in between, a healing took place. Now, only one went back to thank Jesus, but all of them were healed. You see, if you want to change, if I want to change... If I'm going to see something significant happen in my life I need to hear what he says Act on what he says Start moving that direction To the destination he said I should go And as I do Something's going to happen according to the word of God And that's what we should do You see sometimes we're so static There is no possibility That anything's going to change Because it takes us moving And believing the word of God Now listen They may have thought there was no possibility for them to get better, but at the word of Jesus, potential for their change became present. Nevertheless, at thy word I will, Peter said. He sent his word to heal them. We respond to the word of God. That's how faith comes. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But potential will always be held prisoner by your belief potential will always be held prison prisoner by your belief if you were here last week brother matt talked about how they trained elephants so they can just stake them out you remember they'll take that baby elephant put a chain around its around its leg little elephant will pull and pull and pull and he's not big enough to get loose of that chain pull up the stake little leg bloody bleeding As he gets older, he tries and tries and tries and he he can't pull up the stake. He can't break the chain. He gets so conditioned that when he's big, strong, massive, he quits trying. You know why? He's been conditioned. I can't do this. You see, his potential to break the chain, pull up the stake is limited by his belief. He doesn't believe he can do it, so he doesn't. Listen. Listen. God created you with potential, and it will only be limited by your belief system. But if you believe through Christ all things are possible, you can do more than you could ever have done in your mind and your heart because you're acting on what the potential that he put in you, not just what you think you can do. I'm about to get excited. You see, potential will always be held prisoner by your belief system I don't know if you remember the artist James Whistler he has been dead back in the 1800s he was never known to be bashful about how good he was as an artist he was very good once he was told that a shipment of blank canvases that he had ordered had been lost in the mail and someone asked him said well were those canvases of any great value he said not yet not yet I don't know if you know who he is but uh, I did some research and Christie's auction service uh, had sold some of his uh, paintings not too long ago and they ranged from anywhere from $80,000 to a half a million dollars just some of them that they had but the most famous painting he ever painted that we know of is called Whistler's Mother now if I did a painting of my mother It wouldn't do her justice and it wouldn't go for half a million dollars. Matter of fact, I looked this up last night. They estimate that his painting, Whistler's Mother, is estimated to be worth $30 million. Are those blank canvases valuable? Not yet, but when I finish with them, they will be. You see, every day you are the blank canvas that God is painting. He's painting a masterpiece in your life. Every day he does this brushstroke and that brushstroke. And and you you look at it and you say, that doesn't make much sense. Listen, the pit doesn't make much sense, Joseph. The, The slavery in Potiphar's house doesn't make much sense. The prison doesn't make much sense. But every step, God is painting a masterpiece in Joseph's life and we see it from a distance and it makes sense but in the middle of it, how many of you know some things just don't make sense but God makes sense and we are being painted by God as a masterpiece let me tell you a little story 38 year old housewife she would go to the movies and she would say man if I looked like her I could be a great actress She would go and hear someone sing. She'd say, man, if I could sing like her, I'd be a great singer. She was always comparing herself to somebody else. And then finally, someone gave her a book. The book was called The Magic of Believing. The Magic of Believing. And she stopped comparing herself. And she remembered in high school, high school, she was kind of voted and said she was the funniest girl in high school. And so she said, well, if I'm the funniest girl in high school, that's what I'll be. She had a rough voice, didn't look good. It wasn't long. She was making one million dollars a year. Her name was Phyllis Diller. Have you ever seen Phyllis Diller? I mean, she's not a beauty queen. But how do you know she took the potential she had and she cashed in on it? You see, you and I have to realize there are things in our life that God can do If we will just let that potential come out of us. But we'll always be limited by your belief system. But when God created you and me, he put that potential in our lives. Have you ever wanted to quit? This week? I mean, no. uh, Have you ever wanted to quit? Do you think that Joseph ever wanted to quit? I think probably so. Can you imagine in his mind... When he was in that pit and his brothers was considering murdering him, man, this is not a good day. Or when he was sold into slavery, man, I I, I just want to quit. Or when he's accused of having a sexual crime against his master's wife, this isn't fair, I just want to quit. In prison, I want to quit. People there said that'd help him, they forgot him, wanted to quit. I would say to you that Joseph probably had that sweep through his mind time and time and time again. I just want to quit. Check out. You ever think those ten lepers who were sentenced to have a death by a disease wanted to quit? Why go on anymore? There's no hope for me. I'm not going to get out of this. I'm sure that they they had those thoughts and you've probably said this I can't do this I can't get through this I can never get over this those things that happened to me are so severe so intense so gut-wrenching I can never get past this I want to tell you you can let me share something with you I've never shared it with this congregation with you I shared it once publicly a few years ago most of our family doesn't even know this. Our 24-year-old son in 2003 died of pneumonia. His health was compromised. And Carrie and I got a call. He wasn't living, obviously, with us at the time. And they said, we have him in the hospital and said, he's very sick. And we jumped up and we got our clothes on and two hours uh, away. And And we drove to the hospital, but before we got there, our son died. And there's a little bit of guilt because we didn't get there soon enough. We got there and Nathan was dead, 24 years old. And there was a lot of tears, a lot of crying, weeping. It was tragic. Some of you have had a child die. It's one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. And so I called the funeral home and asked him if they'd come pick up his body. And they said, Mike, we're so sorry, but all of our people are out. All of our vehicles are out. Why don't you try calling this person? And we called another and got the same thing. Why don't you call someone that's there in the place you're at? And we did. Guess what? Same thing. I mean, you know, all things work together for good. So I didn't want my son to stay there in the hospital morgue. We were there with him. I told Carrie, I said, we're going to take him home. So I called Randy and I called my brother Steve and we were in Carrie's car. And I said, would you bring my van up here? I was driving a van at the time and I said, would you bring it up here? I want to bring Nathan home. So I told the nurse, I said, "Uh, I'm going to take my son home. She said, sir, you cannot do that. I said, sure I can. She said, sir, you cannot do that. I said, sure I can. So others came and said, uh, you're going to do what? I said, I'm going to take my son home. They said, sir, you cannot do that. I said, sure I can. I said, it's the last thing I can do for my son. So they came to me and said how are you going to get him out of the hospital and I said I'm going to carry him in my arms and when they arrived with the van I went to the hospital bed he was laying in and I scooped my 24 year old son up in my arms and I walked down those halls And I walked out of the hospital with my son. And the nurses were standing in the aisles in the hallways with tears running down their face. And the ones who said, you can't do that, well, I did it. And they cried as I carried my son out. Carrie and I drove him back. And two days later, we had his service right here. So when you tell me it hurts so bad I can't go on, let me tell you what I'm going to tell you. Sure, you can go on. God's bigger than that. It's so gut-wrenching, I can't recover from this. Sure, you can. Don't tell me you can't because God's bigger than that. You see, he has changed you so much. You can weather more than you ever thought you could weather. You can get through more than you ever thought you could get through. You can conquer more than you ever thought you could conquer. You know why? Because the moment you gave your heart to him, he began began to change you. He began a process in you. Your roots began to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And you weathered this storm and that storm and this storm. You weathered the pit. You weathered the prison. You weathered the forgetfulness, the denial. You weathered all of that. And my friends, I'm going to tell you, God has changed you so much. You're stronger than you think you are. His grace is bigger than you think it is. His grace is sufficient when you think it's not. And his strength is made perfect in your weakness. He's changing you. He already has. And he's going to continue to change you. And you're going to be able to stand up and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you think that Joseph thought, God, surely you made a mistake. I've gone from favorite son to lowly servant. But every step of his life was moving him closer to his destiny. See, there came a, A line that I read last night where Jacob is coming in and the brothers realize who Joseph is now and he said and I love this line Joseph said I've become a father to Pharaoh he doesn't do anything unless he passes it through me Pharaoh told me you can have all of Egypt the only thing you don't have is my throne God took a 17-year-old boy and made him the ruler of all of Egypt. And this is what he said. I see now, I see now what God was doing. I couldn't see it in the pit. I couldn't see it when I was accused of a sexual crime. I couldn't see it in the prison. I couldn't see it when people forgot about me. But now I know God put me in this place. He took me through a change so I could keep all of you alive. And I could keep this nation alive. And I can keep the seed of the Messiah alive because of what God's done through me. You see, I've been changed to be the change. I'm here because God wanted me to be here. And all that other stuff that I thought he wasn't with me, he was with me every step of the way. He's with you every step of the way. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.